Hi, I'm Sister Justine. I'm a loving, devoted follower of Jesus who teaches at the local Catholic school. And Sister Justine has plenty of stories about saints, which she shares with the children to help them in their everyday lives. Relax and listen as we bring you Sister Justine's Saint Tales. All right, children, please listen up. This is not your ordinary school field trip. Today, we're visiting a place where we all need to be quiet and respectful. It looks like a museum. Is it a science museum? No, it's not a science museum. What about history? Yes, it's a history museum, but not just any history. This is a museum dedicated to remembering a terrible event in world history. This place is a Holocaust museum. What's a Holocaust? A Holocaust, according to the dictionary, is the destruction or slaughter of life in great numbers. The Holocaust we'll be learning about in the museum today happened in Europe in the 1940s, when a government led by an evil man named Adolf Hitler captured and murdered an estimated six million Jews. That regime, known as the Nazis, also put to death millions more people they also considered undesirable. Who else did they consider undesirable? Well, these included people from some ethnic backgrounds, including Roma and Polish. The Nazis also targeted and murdered many people because they were either disabled, homosexual, held certain political beliefs, or held certain religious beliefs, including Catholics. In fact, one such Catholic was a man named Maximilian Kolbe. He's now a saint in the Catholic Church. Do you know his story, sister? He was born on January 8, 1894, in a small city known as Zadunska Wola in Poland. Hello, I'm St. Maximilian, but when I was born, my name was Raymond Kolbe. I had a loving family, but we were very poor, and sadly, two of my brothers died when they were very young. His family later moved to a nearby town, Pabianica. His parents worked many different jobs. They included basket weaving, growing vegetables, and selling household goods and groceries. When he was 13 years old, Raymond and his older brother Francis decided to pursue religious life and join the conventual Franciscan order. It began with a vision I had one year before, when I was 12 years old. The Virgin Mary visited me in a dream. She held up two crowns, one white and one red. The white crown was a sign of living and persevering in purity, while the red crown was a symbol of becoming a martyr. She asked me, was I willing to accept either of these crowns? I told her I was willing to accept both. One year later, Francis and I would set forth on our path to serve God through the intercession of the Blessed Mother. However, this came with great risk. You see, this was a time in history when Poland was divided and occupied by three other countries, Prussia, Russia, and Austria-Hungary. The Kolbys lived in a part of Poland that was ruled by the Russians, and the Russians tried hard to discourage Poles from practicing their traditions, including their Roman Catholic faith. In fact, many years after I entered the seminary, my father joined the movement to fight for an independent Poland. Unfortunately, he was captured by the Russians and hanged. But let's go back to when Francis and I first began our journey to serve God. 
In order to enter a seminary where they could begin their religious studies and life, Raymond and Francis had to sneak over the border from Russian territory into Polish land held by Austria-Hungary. There was more tolerance for open Catholic worship there, and this is where the Colby brothers entered the seminary. In 1911, while taking his first vows for the order, Raymond took the name Maximilian. And then in 1914, while taking my final vows in Rome, I further changed my name to Maximilian Maria to show my love of our Blessed Mother, Mary. I was ordained a priest in 1918. Now known as Father Maximilian Maria Kolbe, he returned to what was a restored, independent Poland, where he worked to convert sinners and non-believers by seeking the intercession of Mary. I venerated the Blessed Virgin Mary in several ways. I founded a new monastery near the city of Warsaw. I also opened a seminary, and to share the message among the greater population, I founded several newspapers. I even utilized an up-and-coming technology known as radio. We used a radio station to share our messages and bring people closer to God. Father Maximilian Maria also visited Japan, where he helped to establish a monastery, seminary, and a religious newspaper. In 1939, the world was at war. Germany, then led by the Nazi party and its leader, Adolf Hitler, invaded Poland on September 1st of that year. Later that month, on September 17th, the Russians, from what was then known as the Soviet Union, invaded Poland from the east. Once again, Poland was divided and occupied. And once again, those who occupied us showed little to no tolerance of certain people. It once again wasn't easy to be Catholic, but it was much, much worse to be Jewish. Hitler and the Nazis hated the Jewish people, and as the war progressed, the Nazis decided they would exterminate them. They were captured, kept in prison camps, and many were put to death. This was simply not acceptable. Jesus Christ himself, when living among us on earth, was a Jew. No, it was an evil I could not ignore. I helped hide many Jewish people in our monastery. I used the radio to report on Nazi activities and to condemn them. Father Maximilian was captured by the Gestapo, the Nazi secret police, in February 1941. He was sent to a local prison, but later, in May, was sent to a larger prison in the town of Auschwitz, known elsewhere in the world as Auschwitz. Arbeit macht frei. I was known as prisoner number 16670. I was set to work doing heavy labor. I was sometimes beaten by my captors and then made to work even harder. But I never lost my love of Mary and never lost my faith in God. One day in late July 1941, the leaders of the camp ordered all the prisoners to assemble. One of you is missing. We believe this person has escaped, but don't get your hopes up, you pathetic pigs. We'll find him soon enough, and he will pay a dear price. But in the meantime, we will make an example of his defiance. Assistants, select ten of these men to be locked up in a bunker, where they will be starved to death. Let them be a warning to all the rest of you, in case you two are tempted to try escaping. The assistant picked 10 men, including one named Franciszek Gajewniczek. He was a fellow Catholic and soldier in the Polish army. 
captured two years earlier. When he heard his name called, he became very upset. No, no, my wife, my children, what shall become of them? Oh no. I saw and heard his cries, and I took pity. And then I decided to step forward. Excuse me, Commandant. What do you want? I am a Catholic priest from Poland. That man has a wife and family. I shall go in this man's place. Spare him and take me. <laughs> would you give yourself up in place of that swine? I would. Ha! Suit yourself. And with that, Father Maximilian and nine other prisoners were taken away. I was unable to speak directly with Father Maximilian to say thank you. I was so surprised at what was happening. I can only pray that he saw in my eyes how grateful I am. Father Maximilian and the others were led into a bunker where they were locked inside. They were left there without food or water. The order was to leave them there until they all died. We knew it would not be quick. In the meantime, I led the other men in prayer and songs to keep us occupied. I also suggested that maybe, just maybe, if the prisoner was found, they would be set free. But if not, when this was over, they would be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. Guards would come by to check in on the men. As you can imagine, over time, they became weaker and weaker and could barely speak their prayers. But every time the guards opened the door to check on the prisoners, they found Father Maximilian either kneeling or standing in the middle of the prison cell. They were astonished by his stamina and his faith. Soon, some of the men began to die. The rest of us held on for a little while longer, but it was becoming more and more clear we would not be released. Finally, after two weeks, the guards came back for their latest check on the men inside. When they came inside, they found I and three of the others were still alive. Very weak, but still alive. The guards wanted to make the prison cell available again, so they decided that rather than let these men continue to starve, they would end their misery right then and there. The four men, including Father Maximilian, were injected with carbolic acid, a deadly poison. On August 14, 1941, Father Maximilian Maria Kolbe died. My body was cremated the following day, August 15th the day marking the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. How fitting that this should happen on a day honoring our Blessed Mother. In 1982, Father Maximilian was canonized a saint by Pope John Paul II. Today, St. Maximilian Maria Kolbe is the patron saint of prisoners, families, amateur radio operators, people struggling with drug addiction, and the pro-life movement. I get why he'd be the patron saint of prisoners and radio operators, but why is he the patron saint of those fighting an addiction and the pro-life movement? Well, remember, he was put to death by a deliberate injection of poison. It's an example of the deadly risk people take when they consume dangerous substances. And he's the patron saint of the pro-life movement because it's the belief of the Catholic Church that the practice of abortion, terminating a baby before it is born, is another kind of holocaust. Oh. Sister. Whatever happened to that man that was supposed to be put to death, but St. Maximilian took his place? Franciszek Gajewniczek survived the rest of World War II and lived for many more years. 
On the day St. Maximian was canonized, Mr. Gajewniczek was there as a special guest of the Pope. He spent the rest of his life telling people about St. Maximilian's act of love, giving up his own life to save another. Gajewniczek died in 1995 at the age of 93 years old. How lucky he was, being allowed to live to tell that story. Yes, indeed, he was lucky and blessed because he appreciated his chance to live and he used his life to tell others about St. Maximilian. But it's sad to think about all those other lives who were taken away in the Holocaust. These were people who had dreams, who could have made a difference in this world, if not for the evil acts of the Nazis. How can we make sure something like that doesn't happen again? Well, by recognizing injustice against other people and stopping it. When you see people hating someone simply because of their skin color or because of where they came from, or even because they might follow another religion, whatever it might be, you need to have courage and speak up against such hatred. Promise me you'll do that? Yes, yes Sister, Sister Justine. Justine. Thank you, children. Okay, it's time to go inside. Remember to be quiet and respectful. And remember that while evil can do many things here on earth, as long as you keep your faith in Christ, evil will not win in the end. Amen. You've been listening to Sister Justine's Saint Tales, created and distributed by the Communications Department of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. The voice talents you heard are Melissa Cumming as Sister Justine, Michael, Ariana, and Jonathan as the students, Mark Wozniak as St. Maximilian Maria Colby, Gregory Tobin as the Commandant at Auschwitz, Tom Fazio as Franciszek Gajowniczek, and I'm Michael Mroziak. I'm the creator, writer, and producer of this series. Special thanks to Our Lady of Victory School in Lackawanna, New York for their assistance. Special thanks to Pixabay for portions of the sound effects used in this episode. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to come back for more of Sister Justine's Saint Tales. Thank you.